limitations. I mentioned it last week, but no limitations. Because when I'm saying no limitations, obviously there's limitations on what that means, right? You've got to think of this. I can do all things through Christ, right? We can take that scripture. Well, can you fly to the moon with your arms? No, because it doesn't mean that, right? I can do all things that God asked me to do through Christ. So we, there's, there's limitations on limitations even. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. But no limitations. There's no limitations on what, when God gives us a word, when God begins to speak to us, when he calls us individually or even corporately, there's no limitations. God will do the things that he says he'll do. And it seems like we run into limitations. That's where we come into these problems and the difficulties that we have because we, we, we do have limitations. We have natural limitations. But God is supernatural. God is beyond. And if God asks us to do something that's beyond our ability, he'll provide it supernaturally because he's not going to ask us to do something we can't do. It's always, you know, when God wants to do something, he always asks us to do something that he wants us, wants us to do, he, that we can do. And so if you want to think about this, you know, I, I mentioned this last week too, but I'm going to just mention a couple things. For example, uh, God says, I want you to go over to the other side. I want you to enter into the promised land. He's speaking to the children of Israel. It's flood stage. The, the waters are raging. And, you know, we've seen floods around here. We know what our flood was. You know, some, some points it was like four miles wide, the river just goes out. So just walk across that river, that flood stage, when all this stuff's rushing down the, the river. You know, that river get, got pretty fast. And so you see this water, and it's moving, and God tells them to step out. And so they have to step, and they walk, and they walk. And they get closer, and they get closer, and they get closer. And then they step into the water. It's when their foot entered the water that the water stopped. God walled it up and it stopped and they crossed over on dry land. God will do the miracle, but he asks us to put our foot in the water. But it doesn't make sense to put our foot in the water. But God said, put your foot in the water. God said, cross over. So that means you have to start walking. You have to start moving. You have to start doing something. And there's no limitation to God. He will do what he's called us to do, but we have to cooperate and we have to participate. And so often what happens is that we begin to look at the limitations. We begin to look at those. All right. <laughs> Most generally, I lay out my sermons. They're all nice. They're wonderful. I have the scriptures all lined out. I have everything perfect and I'm going, all right, and then, but not today. Because every time I tried to do something, God wouldn't let me do it. He just wouldn't let me do it. So we're going to go on the fly here, but it's going to still be good, I think. Today I ran into some limitations. There's limitations everywhere. I have a limitation in my office. It's called a computer. <laughs> Serious. I have a computer. It's a nice little computer. 
But it just doesn't seem to have enough RAM. doesn't seem to run. I run one program and it says out of memory. So I was getting ready to go and print these because I felt the Lord wanted me to print no limitations. So I go, okay, that's fine. And so I go to do it and the computer goes, burp, 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 burp. no memory, can't do it, forget it. So I close every program except for one, just one, just one, one little program with one piece of paper in it, you know, like word file no limitations and i press the print button and it goes and the screen starts going all crazy and the limitations words start letters start going off that's a limitation could god print that of course he could will he probably not is this not an emergency you know god does things He'll do things in an emergency. Like if my car breaks down, I've had it before, where the Lord's fixed something. But then I've had it where I had to pay for it to get fixed. Because paying for it to get fixed is the normal way that God does stuff. Right? But there are times when he'll do something supernatural, when there's a need, when, there, when, there's a, it's, it, when it's important, when it's vital. And so, you know, we, we have to figure that into, into the mix here. But So I have this, this computer. Well, could God have stacked 50 of those babies up on, the, on the, my desk perfectly cut in half? Of course. But he's generally not going to do that, you know. So we got to look at when we say no limitations, God just isn't going to do everything and everything's going to be perfect and smooth and go fantastic and be wonderful and be lovely. So I get this and it's doing its thing and I'm going, oh, you got to be kidding me. So then I go out here. Now this computer, it's got some more RAM. It's got like 16 gigs of RAM. It's ready to rock and roll. It's good to go. I jump on that thing and I, I go and I, I have a similar problem. I'm going like, what in the world is going on here? Why is this doing this? And so then I run back again. I turn the computer off. I turn the computer on. Get it going. It takes forever. And at 10.29 finally boop and I push print Goosh, 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 goosh. Prints them out. And I'm in there sticking tape on my arm. See, I, my original plan was for me to put these up. Now, for you who weren't here right exactly when we started, what was happening is I had tape all up and down my arm. I just stuck it all over my arm, and I came up. I said, you grab them, stick them all over the walls. That's why these things are everywhere, because there's no limitations. But there are limitations, but there's no limitations in God, right, are on God. There's no limitations as far as what he can do. We always have limitations, and we get stuck by them. We get stuck by them. We say, well, I can't do that. I, I, I can't be this way. I can't do this thing. And we have these limitations that actually stop us and hinder us from just moving ahead in the things of God and seeing the things that God has. And why this was, I think this was important because last week I just, I felt really uh, that the Lord wanted me to, to prophetically speak some things that he wanted to do in this region that had to do with the healing rooms and the ministry center and things like that that are going to take place. And 
even, even when I think about those things, I'm, my brain just blows up. You know, I'm organized, I can do a lot of things, but let me tell you, when it comes to certain things, it's not my cup of tea, you know. Every one of us have gifts and talents, and when we're in our strengths, then it's awesome. But when we're kind of outside of them, then we start thinking limitations. I'm limited. I, 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 I'm not good at this. I'm not comfortable with this. I'm, and, and we start thinking about limitations. And our focus always comes upon us. We look upon ourselves and we say, I can't do it. But the interesting thing is that when God speaks, he not only tells us what he will do, but he always offers himself. Moses, I want you to deliver my people. Did he expect him to go in there and one person punch out the whole Egyptian army, which is you know the major ruling power at that time? To just go in there, hi, I'm Moses, you know, you know, like Rambo, right? Kill everyone in the universe and still be alive. No, he was going to go with him. What did he ask Moses to do? Speak to Pharaoh. Lift your rod. Oh, that's so hard. Well, it is if you have to keep it over your head for a long time. That's why he needed help one time. Because your arm gets tired. Because we're limited. But God isn't. God asks us to do things that we can do. And then he brings forth his glory, power, majesty, might, strength, dominion, whatever. He brings those things. And that's what's so important. You see, in limitations, we look at ourselves. But when we look at God, we have to, we have to begin to think, no, he, there's no limitations. God can do what he said he'll do. God can bring it about. But there's that cooperation. You know the only limitations that God has are the ones he's placed on himself. There are certain things he won't do. He won't sin. It's not that he can't. He won't. He wouldn't be God if he did. But you know what I'm saying? God can't sin. But that's not a limitation. That's a choice. It's a decision that he's made, right? It's a decision. He chooses not to sin because of his character, because of who he is as God. It's impossible for him to do it, but it's just because of, but still a choice and a decision that he has made. Jesus could have sinned when he walked on the earth. But it was a decision to do everything he saw the Father doing and to be obedient to God. He could have, but he chose to walk. And God empowered him along the way. Do you remember there were a couple times when angels came and ministered to Jesus that were aware of anyway in the Scripture? We know that Jesus did more than was in the Scripture, right? So we're only aware of a couple times. Uh, After the 40 days in the wilderness... And in the garden, the angels ministered to him to give him strength. But he chose, and he decided to do the will of God. And God says, highly exalted him, high above everything. So we do have limitations, but God says, I'll be with you. That's important. 
That's the most important thing, is that God will be with us to do what he asks us to do. So I'm giving this word, right, and I'm speaking it forth, and I'm next thing I do is I just go to the back of the room, and I just stand in there. And all of a sudden, here come all these reasons. Oh, well, what about this? How is this going to work? How is this going to be organized? Where is this going to come from? And I start thinking about the technical issues of everything, and I hear the Lord just clearly say, no limitations. No limitations. No limitations. In other words, I'm putting limits up already. I'm not very good at this part of it, so how is this going to work? I'm not good at that. I'm not this. I'm not that. And we all do it. It's, it's just a natural part of who we are because we've lived life and we know that there are limitations. We've run up against walls and we've hit limitations. And we know we're limited. But when God asks us to do something, we're not limited. When God proclaims something over us, it's not just limited to us and our ability. It's him. And you know what? If God can speak to us, he can speak to other people. So, for example, if God says we're going to do this, it's going to require other people, then he's going to speak to other people, right? He's going to be the one to speak to other people, to be involved, to be a part of it or whatever. And guess what? Every single person there will have limitations, but with God, there's no limitation. If we'll obey him, he'll show forth his glory. He'll bring it forth, and he'll bring it about, and it'll be an amazing thing. The children of Israel were delivered from the land of Egypt. God touched Moses. God called him to be a deliverer, but it was his power who delivered them. So he's always asking people to do his work and will here because that's how he's established it. That's God's limitation. He's limited himself. So I said, first of all, I can't sin. Well, I could, but he chooses not to. The only limitations that God truly has on him are the ones that he's placed upon himself. And if you think about this, God put man in charge of the earth. And the condition of the earth is based upon man's disobedience and sin. Plain and simple. We know that from the scripture. And we see it. So God, because he's given man charge over this earth, sends Jesus Christ to come in to bring the kingdom of God into the midst of this land and to take it by force. That's what he talks about. He says, you know, that violent have to take the kingdom by force. And he's not talking about physical violence. He's talking about a spiritual violence, bringing the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And so we see that everywhere Jesus went, he began to extend the rule and the reign of God. How did he do it? He did it as a man, and he needed to do it as a man. That's why he had to come as the second Adam, the first Adam, slipped away and lost all authority on this earth. And that's why Satan's called the prince of the ruler of the air, power of the air. That's why he's called the god of this world because of the rebellion of man, Satan began to rule. But Jesus came to do what? Bring the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness and to establish God's rule and reign. And where we see God's rule and reign, what do we see? 
When we see his true rule and reign, we see love and joy and peace. We see people getting touched and healed and delivered and set free. We see people called into purposeful ministry in whatever level they're at, you know, wherever they are. And there's life and there's abundance and there's wholeness in the kingdom of God. You know, there's a mix right now that goes on because we don't all walk perfectly. And so even in the church, there's wounds that happen. There's damage that takes place because there's wounded people that gather together and are seeking to follow Jesus. And there's things that are imperfect in the church. I guarantee you, you know, you don't have to look very far to find out that the church is imperfect as far as the way that of living out the fullness of the kingdom because what we would do is if we truly live the fullness of what God says it would be so amazing and incredible because we would learn to get along with one another we would be able to bless one another accept one another fully and completely we would be able to turn away from the things that uh, are enticing in the world and come and gather together and not huddle together hiding from the world but love one another care for one another and then expand his kingdom into the world he's never called us to be a holy huddle group he's called us into the world and so there would be something powerful there and something good so when I'm thinking about this this no limitations in God When he asks us to do something, he'll help us. When he asks us to do something and we're obedient, he'll do the supernatural part. He'll do the thing that he asks us to actually do. Now, there is one thing I want to talk about that I think is very important because, um, and I wish I had this picture. I have it somewhere on, on my computer, but it's buried in 10 million files. But I I found this one picture one time I thought was just perfect because it it has to do with the business world, but I think it has to do with anything. Here's here's what happens. We hear a word from God, and we, we, we hear it, and it's wonderful, right? So here's the picture. So it's like this, you know, because it's just like a cartoon kind of a thing. And it says, our business, or we could go our calling, or whatever we want it there. On the top line, you see this absolutely incredible, straight, perfect, wonderful line that goes from the bottom, and it goes like this to the top. It's perfect. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Anytime we hear a word from the Lord, that's kind of what we hear. We hear the end result of what God wants to do. God takes Moses outside and says, or Moses, Abram, look, look at the stars. That's how many kids you're going to have. I don't have any. You know, if we look at the natural, yeah. But how many people did, did he actually see? He saw Isaac born. We know he lived 40 years after Isaac was born, or after Isaac was born, so he might have seen, maybe, I don't even think he was old enough, because he died, I think Isaac was 40 years old when he got married, so he never would have seen a grandchild. He saw one child that God had promised him. 
But he says, as the stars. How about this one? This is a good one, too. We see this wonderful, wonderful thing going perfect. Then it says reality. <laughs> and what it shows is spinning, twirling, twisting, going down. And then there's this deep pit. There's this huge ladder going up, 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 up. And then finally you get there. You know, what, what sometimes we don't understand is that there are so many things happening in between God's final fulfillment of his plan and for us to get there. There's this whole road that we have to walk through. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Well, we, have, we can do it in almost any Abraham. We can do it in um, Moses. But let's take Joseph, for example. God gives Joseph a dream. And in his dream, now this sounds really cool, because he's, he's the next to youngest. He's the 11th born child, right? And there's one underneath him. But he's the 11th born, but he happens to be the favored son, right, of his dad. And so Joseph gets this dream. And, you know, they're out in the fields and stuff. And he says, oh, yeah. He says, I had this dream and I, I saw my sheaf, my grain sheaves got raised up and stood erect. And all of yours, he's talking to his nine of his uh, or ten of his brothers, he's, he says, and yours all came and bowed down to mine. Well, it says that in the scripture before then, they hated him, but then after that, they really hated him. I mean, they hated his guts. It says that, you know, before he told them this dream, they couldn't even talk with him. They couldn't even have a conversation because they were so upset with him because Jacob favored him over them. And, you know, he had the coat of many colors and all this stuff. And, and there was this whole thing that was going on. And then he has another dream. And then he tells his brothers. Either he's not too smart or he's trying to rub it in, one or the other. The Bible doesn't really give us a glimpse in his attitude in sharing the dream. But he shares this. He sees the sun and the moon and 11 stars, and they all bow down to him. And then his, they tell dad, and he tells his dad, hey, I had this dream. And even Jacob rebuked him. Who, what? You think your mom and I and all of your brothers are going to bow down to you? Who do you think you are? Well, they didn't know that God had a plan to make him the second in command in Egypt. But God knew. And so God spoke, and he says, here's these dreams. He has these dreams. And if he's like me... He has this idea, cool, this is going to be awesome. I'm just going straight, straight to go, you know, past jail, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't go there, but just go right, right to go and get there. And that's a lot of times what I think. And, and when, I, when I think of the things that God has, I, I don't even think, well, there's going to be all these troubles and things are going to happen and stuff like that because, you know, I'm just thinking, well, God said it. I'm, it's just going to happen. Let's go for it. Let's, let's step out and let's do this thing. But in reality, a lot of times stuff happens in between here that aren't God's necessary plan or his will. <clears throat> I have to say this because I think this is important to understand too. So for, for example, here's what happened. Joseph says, here's this dream. 
I have this dream. So his brothers find him. He's coming out into the field, and they said, let's kill him. I mean, they, they didn't like him. And the oldest brother says, no, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Don't do that. Let's just throw him in a pit. We'll leave him in there, and we'll figure out what to do. So they throw him in a pit, which is not fun. <laughs> Pits aren't fun. Wait a minute. You guys are supposed to be bound down. What are you throwing me in a pit for? Well, they want to kill him. And so Reuben goes, and, and he's going to you know, try to sneak him out and get him out later. But then they see these, this caravan coming, and they said, well, why don't we just go ahead and start killing him? We won't have any money. Let's sell him, and then we'll have the money. And so they sell him for 30 pieces of silver. And they sell him, and he goes into slavery. Wait a minute. How's, you guys are supposed to be bowing down. I have this dream from God. How can this happen? And here's the part I want you to get, is that God was not saying to the brothers, put him in the pit. Evil men do evil things because God allows man free will. It's not God's plan for him to be in the pit. It's not God's plan. Oh, this is part of my plan. I'm going to send him away into slavery. Oh, this is part of my plan. I'm going to have this happen and that happen and all these things that happened to Joseph. It's because of evil people. But when God begins to proclaim something, he knows the end from the beginning. And he knows that when he tells Joseph and he gives them these dreams, because these dreams are from God, they're not something he made up. And because this dream is here, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. It will, it will happen. But because of evil, because of the enemy, because of all these things, we have these things that come against us. And we have to understand that just because these things come against us doesn't mean that God hasn't called us, doesn't mean God's not going to do what he says he'll do. It means that we have an en- we're, we're in enemy territory right now. We're reestablishing the kingdom of God. But we're in enemy territory because there's a time where it talks about where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take control of every kingdom of this world. Every one. And he's going to rule and he's going to reign. It's not there yet. We're to expand his kingdom. We're to bring the glory of God into the kingdom of darkness and we're to plunder hell and populate heaven. We're to do the works of Jesus and see the works of the enemy destroyed, just like Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And we're his body. We have the same mission. We're to touch every part of society. We're to change. We're to be the, the, the change people, to bring God's perspective to every aspect. Do you know what I'm kind of happy about? I'm seeing, you know, when you think of Hollywood, how Hollywood is... Uh, you know, they've done a lot of damage through the things that they've brought forth. But some of the Christian movies are actually getting to be pretty good. Isn't that awesome? They're actually starting to get good instead of this, you know, always the same kind of little story. And, well, you know what I'm saying? And, and they're kind of hokey because they didn't have the money and all this stuff. Now they're starting to actually come out with some movies that that are doing some good. Yeah, well, not, you know, that's not what I'm trying to say. They're, they're better quality. They're good stories. 
And it's not to knock any of the other stuff. It's just like, but it, it was, oh, there's that movie. Oh, and, and you know, you're watching it and the scripts aren't that good. And there's, you know, but now they're starting to do that and to make impact into all the different areas of culture. We're to, we're to let believers do that. You know, a lot of uh, the scientific research has been done by believers. It's just amazing how God shows them things because he's the one who created all things. But we're supposed to impact and we're supposed to move and we're supposed to... But there's going to be resistance. There's going to be things that stand against us. And sometimes we'll just say, well, wait a minute. I'm doing what God wants me to do. Why am I experiencing this resistance? It's because we're, we're pushing we're bringing the kingdom of, of God into the kingdom of darkness. And so, you know, Joseph very easily could have said, what, what in the world? Why am I in this pit? God, I'm turning my back on you. You, you promised me this, and now, now you're producing. And so I'm going to just go my way. But, you know, Joseph kept his heart right with God, and he pressed in. He's, he's one of my big heroes because he pressed into God. It didn't matter where he was. Do you know, so he goes to Potiphar's house, and what happens? He goes, well, I'm going to serve the Lord. And basically from his story, we can get that. And it says that, that God blessed Joseph. God blessed him and gave him favor. And pretty soon he was in, in charge of Potiphar's house. He's in charge of everything. And it says that God blessed Potiphar's house because of Joseph. And Potiphar knew it. He knew there was a blessing there. And other people knew there was a blessing because he was there. He's a slave. And yet because of him, God blessed. And they could recognize the blessing because they knew it was because of Joseph. And so he's, he's there, and then, of course, Potiphar's wife comes and tries to tempt him. And what does he say? He says, I can't do this. I can't sin against God and do this. You're, I can't do this against your husband. He's entrusted me with everything that he has. I can't do this thing. And, of course, she gets mad, and then guess what? Now it's even worse. He's not, not a slave now. Now he's cast into prison because he's righteous Wait a minute, this is going the opposite. God, where's your blessing? Well, even in the prison, God brings his blessing. And the guy in the prison puts him in charge of everything. He says he didn't have to worry about a thing because Joseph would take care of it. And it says God had favor on him. But wait a minute, where's the bowing down? Where's my, God, why am I now in prison? I'm righteous, I did what was right, and now I'm here. Could easily say that, but he still served God. He still blessed the Lord, and he was still blessed of God. Incredible move of God, even in a prison. So then he sees these two guys and they have dreams and they start talking about it in the prison. They have these dreams and so he interprets the dreams. One's good and one's not so good. One guy, you know, he says, well, in three days you're going to be released and the other guy, three days you're going to be killed. But here's what he said to the guy who he gave the good news to. He says, when you're released, go, go talk to Pharaoh. Tell him that I was taken, sold into slavery, brought into this land, falsely accused and cast into prison. Get me out of here. Guy goes, I'll do it, I'll do it. But he doesn't. But he 
continues on. Joseph continues on. Now all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream that he can't interpret, and he's just going crazy. And the cupbearer says, hey, there's this guy. He interpreted my dream. He told me that you were going to restore me in three days and that you were going to kill the other guy in three days. And he told me this. And so he said, bring him to me. And so in a day, one day, one day, he goes from the lowest prison. I don't know if it's the lowest physically, but he goes from the lowest stature in the society to the second. He interprets that dream and instantly Pharaoh says, who better to serve? You have the wisdom of God on you. You've got the blessing of God on you. I'm going to put you in charge. And then his brothers come in and what do they do? They don't know it's him, but what do they do? They bow down. The dream came true because God spoke it. Well, God showed it. (laughs) But that's his way of speaking. He can speak through dreams. He can speak through visions. He can speak through prophetic words. God gave a promise. And all the stuff in between, it built character in him. talks about it. It built character in him. It did a lot of things. Now you think about someone who's the second most powerful person in the world that could do anything he wanted. He could have easily just executed his family, said, forget you. He could have easily done it. His brothers were afraid of that, weren't they? <laughs> oh, we're so sorry. But he, he's weeping and hugging them and so grateful to have them back because he has the heart of God. And he was able to bless and he was able to redeem his family, to protect his family from the famine because they knew the famine was coming. He was able to do all those things, you know, because he had provided, you know, he had done all the storage and all that kind of thing because God had showed him. But when they came, he was able to bring them into the land, give them a land that was plentiful, that wasn't under the famine stuff because there was portions of the land that were still green for some reason. I have no idea. But all the rest of the land was barren God will provide God will do what he says he'll do but he requires us and he requires us stepping into what he says he wants us to do so I'll just give you a real simple example this is a real easy one I asked Fred if he would lead us in communion today. And he could have said, well, I I get kind of nervous. Nope, I'm not doing that. But he did. And God blessed us. I was blessed by that. I was blessed by that, Fred. I was. He's whipping through John, telling us scriptures. Just so amazing how if we'll just do what God says. Yeah, sure, people might stand against us. Sure, there might be ones that hate us. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, let's, let's say we start doing 
moving out more in healing and stuff like that and somebody comes up and stands against us and starts writing an article in the newspaper oh these guys they're just holy rollers blah 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 or whatever you know some negative things that we can say oh no we're being persecuted tribulated or we can yeah I love that tribulated I kind of made that up did you know that uh, but but you know I, I like I like one, I like how one guy did it. He was George Whitfield, and he was one of the preachers in the, the Great Awakening. And he would go, and the papers would just call him every different name in the book. They would just they were just hated him, and they reviled him, and the churches just came against him and did all this stuff and he'd just go like this. He said, this is so awesome. This is free advertising. He says, every time they do this, every time they write these things, people are going, I gotta go see who this guy is. I gotta go see what's happening over there. I gotta see if he's as bad as they say he is. And people came and got saved by the thousands. You know, there's different ways of looking at things. Free advertising. Come on, if you're on the front page, dirty, rotten scoundrels. And you're doing what God says. He says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for doing something that's good. For doing something righteous, doing something right. But then we can, oh, no. What, why, God, why are you letting this happen? Well, it's just a response. It's just a response to the things that God's doing. We should expect some things like that. Not that we go hunting for it, but we shouldn't be surprised. No limitations. I have a challenge for us, because I've been doing it this week. But I have a challenge for us in any area of your life, period, just this, this has to do with our thought life. This has to do with how we think. In any area of your life, check your thinking. And every time you see a limitation, I want you to, I want you to say it out loud. Guaranteed, it'll cure you quicker. Because if you just do it in your brain, it, it doesn't work as effectively, I've found. But if you say, no, that's a limitation, I reject that limitation in the name of Jesus. God, you said you're going to do this. I'm not limiting you. I'm not limiting you. If God said it, then we can believe it. And if he said it, it might not happen in the timing that we want, but it will happen if we keep our part because God's faithful. Is there one person on the face of the earth that if they come to Jesus Christ and they say, I confess I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God, forgive me for my sin, is there one person who he won't forgive? No, because he's promised it. He's promised salvation to all who will come to him. Yippee! He's checking things out.
He's just having fun. So I just, you know, I just think of those things. When God gives you a promise, he means it. When God says something will happen, it will happen. When God speaks to you and he says, you know, that child that you're worried about, don't worry, they're coming back. You can count on that. Well, I'm looking at them, they're no different than they were yesterday. Doesn't matter. The promise is there. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to put limitations on you. I'm not going to put even time limitations on you. You can do all things. And you have a time frame in mind. So, Father, I just ask for your help. (laughs) I just pray that you would just move in our hearts and in our lives to really show us anytime we do want to limit you. Anytime we want to say, well, this can't happen because of this, that can't happen because of this, that we don't put limitations on you, that we hold what you say as true, and that we step out and do the very things that you ask us to do because we know that as we take step by step, we'll get to where you want us to be. So Lord, just help us. I just pray grace on every one of us. Help us to, to work through the issues in our lives that, that seem contrary to the promises and to just press in to what you have. We just ask that in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.